to assume the traditional way of sourcing great talent to address your goals and objectives is through full-time or part-time, you're not going to be able to maximize the true potential and power of the people that you could bring on board. There's just a fundamental shift of many that are choosing not to have a corporate career. Workforce transformation, a future of work where individuals are owners of their own career. Companies buy work outcomes, not employees, on the open market. Welcome to State of Independence, the podcast about how independent work has completely transformed the U.S. economy and how you can take advantage of it. I'm your host, Asya Hawk, Vice President of Talent Marketing at MBO Partners, and today we will talk with Connie Steele, Principal of Flywheel Associates and author of Building the Business of You. Today, we will talk about Connie's insights from her own independent consulting career to the lessons learned from others hosting the Strategic Momentum podcast. Connie, it is so wonderful to welcome you to the State of Independence podcast. You are someone who has built a wonderful brand inside the industry of independent work, both as a podcast host yourself for the Strategic Momentum podcast, where you interview people who are entrepreneurs, and self-employed change makers, and also with the recent launch of your new book. Congratulations, by the way, that's huge to be an author, the book that you call Building the Business of You. So we're here to talk to you about your career, your insights, and to share those both with our independent consultant audience and also our audience of enterprises that are thinking about how to leverage independent talent in their future of work. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Just super excited to be speaking with you today. This is going to be a great conversation, I know. And since we've had a little bit of an earlier chat, I know a little bit about your background, but I would love for you to tell the story of how you became an author, a podcast host, and what I call an independent by choice. Well, I had a traditional linear path, probably like many people, because I am a child of immigrants, specifically Chinese immigrants, um, in particular, that straight linear path that was academically focused was such an emphasis. So it was pushed towards a very quantitative path specifically. And I found out about marketing, learned there's a discipline called marketing research, where it enables you to blend the quantitative aspects of information, of people to help sell products and services that we see on the shelf. I'm like, great. Identified that, that set my course, going to graduate school to study applied statistics, where I knew I was going to be a marketing researcher. So then I went and worked in a large uh, Fortune 500 consumer packaged goods company and enjoyed it, but I was yearning for something more. That's when the web became really popular. I realized that my path to be a specialist specifically in research wasn't where I wanted to go. So I decided I'm going to make a pivot and I'm going to work in marketing and in the internet business. So I was able to make that pivot, worked at AOL for several years and have been in the technology space really ever since. So after working at AOL, then worked in another technology company called Network Solutions and then a startup running their marketing discipline, I realized, you know, I, I needed to change. My last job was a very stressful one. I was a mom of two young children and the environment wasn't one where it was a supportive for working women. It was unfortunately one that was 
toxic and challenging. And for many people who realize that maybe the corporate path isn't for them because there's something that's missing, uh, that's absolutely how I felt. I thought I wanted one thing. I was experiencing what I thought would be, oh, wait, this is it. It wasn't fulfilling. So I chose to make another pivot into being my own independent consultant because the goal for me was to find flexibility, to have control, and ultimately to be able to be a part of my children's life because the current trajectory or the path that was available didn't seem to be able to give me that opportunity to do so. Your story is the story of many that are inside the independent workforce, highly skilled, highly experienced, and choosing the path for reasons of flexibility and control. You know, it's something that we see in the state of independence data that we have run every year for the last 10 years. And you know Steve King, who has helped MBO to put together that data. He was our very first guest on the State of Independence podcast. That story is one that is pretty significant, both to individuals in this life stage and also to enterprises, because it's happening in a sort of a portion of the population that is very high skill, very high talent, with a lot of experience, and they're seeking a new engagement methodology. And you talk in your book about this concept of being your own CEO, right? So you, you have this idea in your book and one of many rich and interesting ideas that are in your book. I'd love for you to expand on that a little bit, both for yourself and maybe just speaking to our audience about why others are, are choosing, maybe even much earlier in their career than you did, to become your own CEO. Absolutely. Uh, the reason why I wrote that is because in today's age where technology is ubiquitous. It's like electricity. It's opened up a world of opportunity for many that didn't exist before. And because of that, you are now a product on the web. You're a product or service on the web, whether you like it or not. So when somebody wants to learn something about you, all they do is go into Google. They can find whatever they want, whether it's on social channels, whether it's whether written something, but they're formulating an opinion about you. And recruiters, should you be choosing a traditional path, will get some sense of who you are. But if you are a consultant or a freelancer, you have to market yourself anyway. So the reality is that you as an individual are a business. And for all those people that I interviewed in the podcast who were so fascinating that they, many of them did choose a traditional path, but they pivoted, there was a consistent theme. And what they did to ultimately find their dream career, if you want to call it, their career mashup, what they applied was strategic planning. It, it became clear to me that they were looking for something more. They wanted to find opportunities that could align their goals, their passions, their interests, and define that and then started to plan accordingly to reach it. Now that approach, it was a dynamic strategic planning process. It shifted, it adapted, but for those who might be familiar with agile product development or agile development or agile business, you have a goal. You have to find that goal, but you're testing and learning and you're iterating as you go along. You're applying different strategies. You're applying different tactics to know what sticks, what works. And then you're building essentially this talent stack to ultimately help you get to where you want to go. Because at the end of the day, this is how it helped them become their own CEO. This is how it helped them define 
their career mashup. And, and that term specifically is the combination of skills, experiences, roles, interests, passions, where you are able to bring all of that together to really fulfill all of you, to be able to bring your whole self to work. And that's what many are searching for. They don't want to compartmentalize. Many have. We've had to. We've had to be someone put in a box. But right now, it's not about conformity. It's about individuality. And many are much more now aware of the holistic way of thinking or, or holistic sort of mind, body, health, right? To be able to bring all of that to, to know that you can do your best work. You know, this concept of a mashup and, and sort of the different elements that you mentioned is one that I think all of us sort of intuitively think about, even in a traditional career context, you know, what are my top skills, both hard and soft? How do I express them? You know, whether that's in a traditional format, like a resume or through a portfolio or through just how I describe myself in interactions, you know, my own elevator pitch. And I guess what you're advising or letting our audience know is that that's a skill set that we need to understand, meaning we need to know how to arrive at what we want our career mashup to be, but also need to be somewhat smart about what the elements are, meaning what do we have to bring to the table to engineer this new and better version of ourselves that allows us to be the CEO of our own firm. I mean, I think that's that's huge. Absolutely. What is valuable, I think, for listeners to pay attention to is if you're on LinkedIn, look at the titles of different folks. And if you've noticed, it isn't the narrow singular definition anymore, where it used to be, oh, my title or the way I defined myself was VP of X at this company or manager of Y at this other company, or maybe it's just entrepreneur. What you're actually seeing is CEO, entrepreneur, author, speaker, publisher, writer. It, it is so expansive. People are putting everything that they do, they want to because they're expressing these unique talents that they have. And they realize that when it all comes together, it makes them a very unique brand, which is why the CEO of you is also relevant. You're not only a product and service, ultimately, you are a brand. So it's it's important to identify what makes you you. It's important to convey what value you bring to the table, whether that is in a role, in a job, or for a company, or whether that's your own company. Folks want to know what's your special sauce. And that doesn't mean it has to be one thing. In the career model of past, where it was, again, linear and sequential, it was what is the one specific thing? It's not anymore. And what's interesting is if you take a macro view and what's happening in the world, everything is a hybrid of something at this point. Food, way back when, fusion. If you think about exercising, <laughs> all these workouts, complete combinations of things, experiences that people have, you know, these, these trips that people have, you're doing multiple things. If you think about the way that people are working now, they're multiple tool sets. So it, it's, um, it's a very macro sort of trend I'm seeing when it comes to just understanding how it's led to you need to take control of your own career in life, whether that's an independent or not, but everyone now has to be the CEO of themselves just because you have to. I'm kind of in my head playing this funny line from Star Wars because 
it's almost like resistance is futile, right? Like I kept going through my head as you were speaking. I was always like a little bit of a corny analogy, but it kind of, I think in my head, I'm asking the question that maybe um, a worker who is reluctant or who is struggling with this transition might ask, like, does everyone have to be this way? Like, do I really have to put this kind of work into my career? Who can help me? How can I do this? My company or even my independent career isn't structured this way because maybe I don't have access to all the skills needed to refine and develop all these aspects of my own personal brand, right? Because most people are hopping into this style of career because they're really good at one specific thing and they hope that they're marketable. But you're kind of challenging and saying, no, um, even if that is the case, there's a bigger exercise that you need to go through. So what do you say? Is, is, am I correct? Is Star Wars correct? Or is there, <laughs> are there people that are on one or the other side of this? Um, are some never going to make the leap? I believe, yes, you are correct, that resistance is futile for this one fundamental reason. Uncertainty is the new certainty. The pandemic has pretty much brought that to life. We're all living in this state of constant change. And right now, while we know there will be some relief, we know relief is coming. We're still not sure exactly when that is. Many people do feel that they're in somewhat of a limbo. And so it's really disconcerting. In that situation, on a macro level, when there isn't solid ground where there used to be. It was quite predictable in the macro world. And then you might have felt a lack of control at work or maybe a lack of control in your personal life. Now when it's a lack of control on a macro level, then it permeates into both. The only thing you can control is what you do. And to start to find that footing, it requires building a strategic plan, which is what companies do anyway. And it's understanding the components of what that is, because many of us have never been taught what that is. I certainly wasn't. I was very fortunate enough to have worked with a manager who saw the potential in me. And I guess the work that I've been doing was strategic planning, but put me into it. And I learned. It's a skill that you can learn and master, but unless you have the right people that you work with, you will never get exposed to it. So to help those that really may wonder, well, what do I do? It's about analysis and planning and execution at its simplest level, but starts with data. We all know this. It's, it's understanding what's going on, what I call spotting the trends. Know what's going on on a macro level in the environment that you're in, in the industry that you work in, your role. Just generally speaking, if you're in product or marketing, what does that mean? But if you start to read and then continually just read and start to say, hmm, that's interesting. Why is that happening? What's the implication? You'll start to think differently and connect the dots, but you also need to do it for yourself. A lot of us don't take the time to think about what do we want? What makes us happy? But what are our strengths? What value do we bring? And subsequently, in a lot of corporate organizations, you do the 360 degree view to understand what other people think of you. So there's the evaluation to do you for yourself. But you should also get the evaluation of others who know you well, a boss, a peer, a mentor, an employee. Ask them the questions. You know, where do you feel I'm strongest? Where do you feel I deliver the most value? Why? But it's always why behind everything. Get to the deeper level of why. Not, oh, I think you are great at project management. Why? 
because you really care about ensuring things are on time. In what way do I do that? Oh, well, you do this and this and this, but what you're trying to do is ladder up to something bigger. And really through the course of those conversations, you'll hear things about yourself that you didn't even realize, which could be your positioning, which really what makes you you. It's that unique value you bring. That's how you then build the compass. The compass is the plan. Goals, objectives, strategies, tactics. How many people have the fortunate opportunity to even know what that framework is, to know how to build something like that, to know how to craft that plan that can show you this is the opportunity that you want to take advantage of. The reason why you do the analysis is to identify the white space, to know where you could play, where you could pivot because you have all these strengths. Once you have a sense of what that is, now you put it into a plan. So you have a roadmap of some sort. It could change and that's okay. Remember when the question in a job was, what do you want to do five years from now, seven years from now? That's not really a question that's relevant to ask anymore. It could change one year from now. It could change two years from now. I mean, it could change six months from now. But once you lay your plan, then the next piece is what I call preparing for change. Many, many times what gets us stuck is fear. It's the emotional side of things. We make our decisions and actions and behavior emotionally, not rationally. Many of us don't realize that. But when you start to understand what's causing you to maybe hold back, that's great. You might have a plan, but you still aren't moving. Well, understand why. Maybe it's some experience that you had in your past. Maybe you're catastrophizing things, like playing a scenario out that's really never going to happen. But it's, it's, again, getting in touch with yourself and really understanding those drivers. And once you do, that will help you then take the next step. And the last two stages is a five-part system. It's building your network. We all know that in order to make anything happen, you need people. But many of us are scared to network or we see networking as a dirty word or we don't know how. It's really uncomfortable. But in the book, we talk about that just to know what does it take to build a relationship authentically? And the last, which is what everybody focuses on, oh, I need to build skills. But how do you build the skills when you don't know what your bigger picture plan is and you haven't thought about analyzing, well, how do I create the most effective plan to help me get to where I want to get to? So when there is clarity on what to do and how to do it and how it logically makes sense, I fully believe that's how then you know how to create traction. And for me, it's so important to teach this skill because it's something that you not only need to do for yourself, but you can apply this when you're in any job. All companies need strategists. All companies need people who can plan. This is a skill that's pervasive. It's, it's just a foundational skill like writing at this point. Really good, strong, and honest, I think, advice that you're providing for those that are either trying to optimize their career and from an independent standpoint, as you said, even a personal, a, a traditional career. Looking at how you set up for success, what you're saying is carving the time to invest both in the upfront component, which is this five-step program that you talk about that sets you up for focusing on the right skills, um, you know, optimizing the stages of being successful. But then it strikes me that it's not going to work if you don't continue to foster it. So either investing that time, do you carve time to revisit your plan? You mentioned this concept of an agile career. Are you, from a from sort of a behavioral standpoint, doing this on some regular basis to adjust course? Or is it a one and done? Absolutely not a one and done. The reason why in the second component, I call it creating your compass and not almost the North Star, something that's very fixed, is because it's never fixed. 
many of us will go through changes that shift our potential course. We have an idea. For some, you may not have a clarity of an idea of where you want to be. Others, you have some sort of idea. Others may be incredibly clear. But as you start to operate against your compass, this plan, you're going to get data and input that help create more fidelity to know, oh, wait, this is the right approach to take. Or, wait, maybe I don't like this experience or this role or or this skill that I'm learning, Hmm, but I just got exposed to a new one that I never anticipated. Maybe I need to chart that one. We are always evolving. It, change is constant. So this five-step system is iterative. It is something you are constantly revisiting. No different than a company. A company may set the annual plan, but you know what? Three months from now, four months from now, a competitor comes in that they did not see and all of a sudden is getting so much traction that they realize, wait, we have to completely adjust course. What we had set forth is not going to work anymore. We need to completely revisit everything. And that may require a different structure, different people, but it's the same thing that you're not sure what might happen. You can't anticipate everything. What you can be clear of is that you have a goal that you're searching for that aligns to what your interests may be, whether it is a desire for social impact and work-life balance and financial stability, because you may have, again, those three goals are equally important. The pathway to get there may be different, but that goal still is guiding you. And so subsequently, those objectives that you might, well, right now, for example, for me, I never knew I wanted to be an author. I never knew I was going to go down the author path. I just knew that when I left, I wanted to achieve those goals, work-life balance, have, a, have an impact just in a different way, and some financial stability too. But I thought, all right, right now, the objective is to pivot into a consulting opportunity so I could get the near-term control flexibility and take care of my children. But as every year has gone on, I've learned more about the experience. And a couple of years later, I did a podcast. I didn't know I'd be a podcaster. I just knew that could be a, a great way to build skills, but to create thought leadership. Wasn't in the plan initially. It was because, and I did these podcasts, I started to realize, wait a second, there's really interesting data here. I've always loved the future of work. And it happens that Steve King <laughs> is the person who got me started on understanding and, and really loving the future of work to begin with 10 years ago. I had no idea that that was going to lead to a thesis. But as I was interviewing people, I saw a gap. I saw an interesting area that wasn't really being covered. I dug deeper. Going back to my research roots, just dug deeper and deeper and deeper. Had to solve the puzzle. I had to understand why. I realized, wait, nobody's writing about it. I thought the most impactful way to help people was to write a book. So I decided to write a book, but each of these were different paths or different compasses. I didn't know. And you have to be okay with going with the flow and realizing all these experiences, all these skills that you're building over time do lead to probably something bigger. But if everything is charted out for you and you have a very linear sequential path, you're not going to even realize the opportunities that you could create for yourself the opportunity to be expansive, be broad and deep. 
which is where the future of work is going to. I mean, Asya, you're a podcaster, you're an entrepreneur, you're a marketer, you're in communications. I mean, you have a very expansive skill set, right? You're a Kermashaper too. For sure. I mean, I see a lot of my own career in your story, you know, both the choices to exit traditional employment at strategic stages. I did the same early on in my career um, at the point that my children were younger and in fact did consult both for my former employer and for others for a couple of years while I was launching my first startup. And it was an incredible experience to be able to have a foot in both um, worlds. And, you know, as you've been speaking, what's been playing through my mind is we recently launched a series called The Voices of Independence as a subset of State of Independence. And the stories are of those that were the contributors to our first um, consulting quarterly coming out of the MBO Advantage program. Just an incredible resource of really, really thoughtful ideas about the theme of resilience. And as you've been talking about this reality, I'm kind of playing back in my mind those articles because one of the articles is written by a gentleman called Rodney Mann, who is a very senior and very experienced strategy consultant who's a part of our community. And he wrote a piece about resilience and scenario planning, looking at how the military scenario planning process is one that we can apply to a time of uncertainty in business life. And that is, in fact, sort of a concept around resilience. He was speaking to the business leader or the business unit leader, but the same ideas of scenario planning could, could apply to an individual career in a time of extreme flux and change. The second article that came to my mind was an article written by one of our members, Jennifer Lemmert, who is a mom who actually came into independent consulting when she left her traditional role in the travel industry at the start of the COVID pandemic. And she went through a lot of the steps that you describe in her career. And she talks about it in her podcast episode where she went out and tried to speak to her network. She tried to figure out how to position herself and then really very quickly was able to find her unique niche and in fact, launch a really successful career. But she did so with a lot of humility and a lot of kind of just honesty in terms of what is it that she wanted to get out of her life? What kind of balance was she seeking? And then what was she really good at? What did she really want to focus on? And I, and I hear so much of that in, in the themes of your book. So I think it's certainly a tribe of like-minded, you know, that are part of this industry and, and we're all here for a reason. How do you stay on this track if you're not really good at being an agile business manager of you? You know, it's, it's a tough skill, right? Not every one of us has it. Do you have ideas? Have you, do you have a support group that you turn to? Let's go a little deeper. Like you've, you've spoken about it at a higher level, but I'd like to know, okay, how do you manage this in a way that makes you successful in this, in this path that you lay out, have laid out? To me, a lot of that comes down to probably component four, which is about networking and understanding the importance of building a village that will be a champion for you to help you work towards your goals. Many of us who have maybe focused on the corporate side initially only network when we're looking for the next job. You don't network in between. You make friends, but you're not networking and expanding the thinking and approach to realize how you can connect one another to just do mutual good. To What you have to do is shift that mindset and realize, I need to constantly be expanding this valuable group of people to help one another. And you realize 
fundamentally it's about a value exchange and you start to build this behavior of connecting with those where they may have a knowledge of the discipline that you're looking to acquire information on. And what's an interesting myth that people don't know, it's usually your secondary connections and your third degree connections are the ones that actually will activate on your behalf. And they start to become your champions. If you're going to be the CEO of you, networking is a requirement. A business is constantly networking, but it's really building relationships with various people to help them where they want to go. Whether it's building relationships with new employees, potentially, building relationships with vendors, building relationships with other companies that could be partners to them, building relationships with the media. They're all building relationships that ultimately help work towards a common goal. And when you have a strong value exchange between entities, they want to help you. They want to support you. And therefore, it will achieve, you know, the the end goal that you want. Sort of a roundabout way, hopefully getting to your answer. <laughs> but it all starts with building this network fundamentally. You have echoed so many things that I mentioned to you. We I talked about this program called MBO Advantage, which is our membership program for successful independents that are seeking to grow and scale their firms. And it's a, you know, an, a by admission program offered to members of our community and, and folks that are outside of our community that are a strong fit. And it's grown much faster than we initially expected. And it continues to grow in a really authentic way, because I think what's happening inside that program is a little bit of what you just described, that broader network of not everyone's in the same discipline. In fact, they're in broadly different disciplines, different career experiences, but they share some common struggles and opportunities with improving their independent career. And and they're already successful, but they're wanting to become more successful and they're looking for different inputs and they're finding them from others within the community. And then they're finding these not so intuitive connections that are turning out to really bring new opportunity to the table. You know, what we learned with the state of independence is, and this is sort of hard data now, you know, you talked about qualitative and quantitative within your market research career. So I shared a qualitative example right now, but there's also a quantitative one that supports this, which is that many independents are finding their next gig through referral and word of mouth and from teaming with other independents. These are two key trends that came out in the 10-year study that were really fascinating to us at MBO. The idea that independents are hiring others or collaborating to present one face to a client as a virtual team, but they're staying as independent firms. And the second, that they are bringing business to each other in in a way that we didn't even expect to have reached that level of maturation considering the sector. So I'm sure you've seen some of this in your own career. I've done it. So yes, 100% um, am not surprised when you meet other independents who have taken a similar path or you have shared values, naturally you bond. And because you're not part of a large formal company, they become your coworkers in a lot of ways and understand intuitively understand what you're going through. Certainly when you find complementary skill sets and there's a mutual understanding of the kinds of clients that you want to go after, you see synergies. Naturally, as companies want to find partners for potential projects they may want to work on or they pitch together, independents are no different. 
And so naturally, they find ways to pull a tiger team together. They know companies can't do everything and that there may be one natural entry point, but that consultant can quickly realize how it will expand to other areas of need. And if they can refer others and bring them in, it just becomes such a powerful value proposition collectively that a company was like, wait, wow, there's another group of people like you that can immediately deliver value quickly. And we can work with all of you. You have, you just bring this level of expertise. Why wouldn't we? Versus it being, shoot, I just found this one person. Oh no, now I have to go find somebody else and go through this whole process. But absolutely, there's a natural um, inclination to think of almost the whole life cycle of the project and expansive needs. So when you can find a team of people who want to work together and support one another, it's incredibly powerful. That's something we're designing to not just in terms of the role of community, which is what I was referencing just now with this program, but also in our technology and our sort of stack. And you talked about the agile stack is a cool idea. I love it. You know, agile talent stack that you need for the CEO of your own career. But we're looking at ways to make that process easier. You know, it's complicated sometimes to do business with other small entities. And how do you set up the arrangement? How do you present one face to the client? Even something as simple as how do you invoice or think about collective insurance? How do you write a contract or who leads, who follows? And, and that's the kind of stuff that we you know, have been so good at over the years as a company because we are technology-based and uh, can build these workflows for these kind of unique, non-traditional, but highly fast-growing work arrangements. So as we're wrapping up the session, we spent a lot of our time talking about the individual angle, which is exactly what I wanted to do. I think you're an example of a, a very aspirational example of somebody who's made that pivot successfully to do the work you love the way you want, which is very much MBO's motto and the reason for our being. But there is a story here about how organizations need to think about people like you and, and people within this cohort of, let's call it 35 to 40 million um, independent workers, about 7.7 .7 million of whom are what we call the 100K plus crowd or the high earning independent. How do those organizations think about incorporating individuals like you in a strategic way. You're clearly a planner by design and quantitative by, by preference or bias. Is there something that's an aha for you? Does your book touch on this? Does your podcast touch on this? Something that, that could be helpful or insightful for our enterprise audience. What I believe it comes down to is also being clear on the goals that you're setting forth for your organization and realizing that because speed to market is key, your business has to be agile, that the way you source the right talent is naturally going to need to be agile. To assume the traditional way of sourcing great talent to address your goals and objectives is through full-time or part-time you're not going to be able to maximize the true potential and power of the people that you could bring on board. There's just a fundamental shift of many, and, and this is definitely skewing towards millennials, that are choosing not to have a corporate career. They don't want it. 
they want to have the freedom and flexibility to sample a lot of different roles or, or, or jobs, build different skills. There's so much talent that's out there that's choosing a different path. So as a company, if again, your goal is to try to have the greatest impact for your business as quickly as possible, it necessitates the need to plan your resourcing fundamentally differently and understanding that independents already have the built-in skill and know-how and approach to come in and immediately make the impact, set the foundation, create the approach, work with others, and are singularly focused on delivering against your objectives. And when you realize you can scale them up, <laughs> you can scale them out as quickly as you would like, because there is a just innate understanding of the business that you're in, you can eliminate all of this ramp up time to know what to do. At the end of the day, there isn't that time anymore. We know that disruption can happen like that. Your business needs to keep up with the changing pace of business. You have incredible talent that's readily available. It becomes a competitive advantage from my point of view, to take a broader perspective on how to combine, really, this is another kind of mashup. It's a resourcing mashup of these different talents. The difference is knowing how to manage it. Many are probably comfortable because they have a fixed team where they know they're working nine to five, usually more than nine to five, in their fixed location. It's a mindset shift of realizing, wait, I have great talent that could be halfway around the world. But because of the time difference, they may be working on the projects that I have and I have it in the morning. There may be others where there's a greater specialization in a certain area. Well, wait, that specialization coupled with somebody who has a, a generalist thinking, I mean, that could be a great combination. There's just a different way of thinking of these permutations and being open-minded to it. Because the reality is that that's where it's going. The oldest millennial is 39 years old. In 10 years, they're going to be managing a lot more businesses. They think and operate fundamentally differently. Many of them are choosing an independent path. Was it 64%, I think, in a bank rate survey, it said that they're either doing a side hustle or planning a side hustle. I know many Gen Xers and boomers have also chosen that path. They want to be 100% independent or Maybe they're planning their side hustle right now. I know in the state of independence, there is a statistic that said, was it 48% of all workers will be independent at some point. And Correct. it grows to 54%. If enterprise companies realize at some point, somebody will be independent, they're talented. Regardless of the state of I'm full-time, I'm independent, I'm a freelancer, I'm a contractor, they're just great talent. It requires the company to know how to best leverage them and utilize them. It's just a complete shift. There's not a singular way you have to be fluid, which is another theme of the book. I think that's a wonderful theme to end at because 
you know, the idea that the only constant is change and we are now um, in the world of the fluid and not the fixed workforce is I think the theme of this decade uh, that we are have entered and we've entered with a, you know, a very uncertain and disruptive start and hopefully good times ahead. You know, certainly I'm an optimist, but it's about recognizing this and, and ceasing to be afraid and starting to look at it as opportunity and with optimism. I think that's a wonderful place for us to end. Thank you for taking the time, Connie, to share your wisdom, both in terms of a personal pivot to independence and also from an organizational strategic perspective. I know our audience will enjoy both those elements and hopefully they'll have a chance to pick up your book, Building the Business of You, or listen to your Strategic Momentum podcast and learn from it. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to share concepts from the book and even my story. And and I really support all those independents out there because I understand what it takes and uh, it gives us the ability to really be our whole selves. And I think that's what we all want. I think it is true. It is what each of us wants. Thank you again, Connie. Thank you so much. That was Connie Steele, principal of Flywheel Associates, creator and host of the Strategic Momentum podcast and author of Building the Business of You. For more of MBO's insights on the future of work and how to make the most of the independent economy today, visit mbopartners.com or find another episode of State of Independence wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.